Welcome to the Black Men Think Podcast. If this is your first time here, know that the views and opinions expressed by the Black Men Think Podcast, are those of the Black Men Think Podcast and not the individual members. With that being said we're about to be unapologetically, undeniably black. Enjoy. Yeah, man. So this is, um, I don't know what we were just talking about. Just like <laughs> how everything around us is, we're talking about parenthood, really. But we're not going to get into a parenthood conversation whatsoever. But yeah, that I just had a chance to vent for, for a split second. That's all that was. That was it. Man, okay, just though. the worst parts, bro, are the morning trying to get them out the house <laughs> and then the evening when you got to get them in the bed. You think you Ooh. like you timed it well. You think you like, all right, I'm gonna give this about 45 minutes. That 45 turned into an hour and a half, hour 45. Oh no. It's bro. But hey, that's what it is. Hey man, forget all that though. We got right. we got a special guest in the building um tonight. Like this brother here is somebody that um I can say we've been knowing now for a long time. Man, long. hold on. I just had <laughs> It just Dog. hit me how a like how old uh, how long we've been out of college. <laughs> I don't tell people that. Listen, bro, y'all you, married. Like I still got to be out in the streets. So like they don't need to know. They don't nah, need I'm, to know. I'm, hey, you I'm still looking bro. young though, man. You still looking young. My body says otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, for y'all, it's low key like, almost twenty years, bro. It's, it it's close to twenty years. Like yeah. legit. When when I said that, I, I was thinking to myself, I was like, well, hold on, I graduated in two thousand and six. That was 15 years ago. So hold on. Okay, so for those that don't know, we have the homie uh, King Williams. I almost called him something else because we you just know. Call me that. Before. I don't care about that. I really King. Don't. We got I don't. King Williams uh, on, on the Black Man Think podcast uh, to today. But yeah, bro. Like, when did we officially meet? Like, do anybody remember the time frame? Like the year? I don't. I don't have a clue. I know most. Uh, when did I meet you? I think I rem- I don't remember how I met you. Yeah, but I, somehow, some way, it just seemed like we were acquainted. It might have been, you know, just in our circles. It might have been. It was well before we were both RAs or CAs at, at the Georgia State Village, which is the housing, you know, at, at G State. But, you know, because you were in that program or were you in student government? I was on a student, like other the other stuff, not in the, the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Got it, got it, got it. That's right, that's right. But I think just in our circles, man, um, you know, being yeah. acquainted with, you know, you, Zap, Bruno, you know, the squad, you know? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Squad. that's so weird, man. That's so weird. Yeah. yeah. So what year did you officially um, My come degree to- says 2000. I came in the same as y'all, 2002. My degree, okay. the graduation date actually says 2008 because I got into a little situation um, and that Don't postponed my <laughs> stuff for a minute. Don't we so. all. We don't have to, we don't have to get into those details. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but it happened. It happened, and I was vindicated. So I'm I can speak freely. Um, but gotcha. life goes that's on. good. And yeah, that's what's okay. up. What, no, you good. I was okay. gonna say like what what's, what what's the fondest memory you know of of that time? Uh, you know, honestly, the fondest memory is graduating. Um, I remember the exact moment. It was the first year. It was actually December. 2017 i went to a graduation ceremony anyway they let me graduate and my cousin me and him graduate this he graduated early he's always been like an overachiever so he came in two <laughs> years later and he got out 
much earlier than he should have. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and he just got out early, and we both like ran up and down like the little field on the grass on Georgia on the stadium. Now it's like yeah. it doesn't even exist anymore, which is so weird. The Georgia Dome, and then we high fived each other. I remember that. Yeah, that was my right. fondest memory. Wow. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, we sound old, bro. We do sound old. The old. dome <laughs> is gone, bro. The dome is gone. That's the wow. dome is gone. The dome yeah. is officially gone. Wow, that's crazy. I can tell you. Um, I mean, there's a lot of memories from Georgia State, like for real. A very a, a lot of memories. Um, but one that really, in particular, comes into mind is um, Delta Campus Mo- Movie Fest. I remember that. Mm. I used to love those. Mm, right. And so for those of y'all that don't know, Delta had a partnership and what they would do is come to college campuses and like this is this is pre your your iPhone or your Samsung Galaxy recording, you know, high quality video. This is when we legitimately had to have a camera. So we would all walk around with these huge cameras, have editing equipment. Um, all of these things to put together these videos for competition. And, and so uh, I remember doing that and we, we made a spoof video. Um, <laughs> I won't tell you what the spoof video was, but it was a spoof video. Actually, no, it's not that, it's not that big. It was a spoof video like uh, sorority and fraternities, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so that's what, that was our idea. We wanted to like just, okay, cool. Let's just try this out and see what happens. I saw this video not too long ago and, and while the editing and the storyline was cool, it was just like no, it, was, it was terrible. It was terrible. Just <laughs> <laughs> terrible. But we had fun creating it. But that that's like one of my like memories that I can I can say publicly. You know, that, that was a good memory, real good memory. Oh, that's cool. Uh, okay, do I do I have to call you Motown or have to call you by your government? Like, how do I do I mean, that? Hey, bro, whichever, bro. They call me both. They call me Mo here. They call me Marlon. I get all of them. So okay, because I was like, I don't, you know, y'all, y'all got yeah. real careers now, so I don't want to <laughs> mess that up. <laughs> nah, nah, I'm Mo, man, always. Okay. Oh, dude, For sure. Nah. Yeah. Oh, man, this feels good, man. It's like the reunion I didn't have. So this is uh, uh, Hey, speaking of that, I know... Um, well, we'll we'll see. I, there's some homecoming activities happening, so uh, I, I may poke out for a second. I don't I don't know if I feel I'm not like amped to go, but I'm kind of yeah, like I know what you mean. You know what I mean. So, but with all that being said, look, I just got one question. Okay. What's going on with all these changes in the city, man? Somebody <laughs> talk to me. We talk need to like me. three hours, but. Uh... <laughs> The 30-second version of it is we have the Atlanta mayor's race. We have an uptick. Uh, I want to be clear. We're going to put an asterisk on that, but we have a whole thing, an uh, uptick in crime, and there's an asterisk on that, and we can get into mm-hmm. that if you want to. Oh, uh, I, love to. Demo- sound, I, I want to know what that asterisk means. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, go ahead. You may not like the answer to that one. Okay. Uh, okay. The other one is we have demographic changes, we have cultural changes, and we are now in the most important political city in the u.s and we have been for three years so this is why everything feels weird right now yeah atl is changing but but like it's almost like cities across the country are shifting rapidly i mean and i mean you alluded to just the political climate alone but i mean even housing you know the housing is is shifting before our very eyes and low-key it's it, it looks so strategic it makes one extremely concerned like i missed the boat like what like what (laughs) like how 
how did I not see this coming? Or, but it looks like a lot of people did. I, I don't know. It's crazy. Oh, gosh. Uh, the housing market is, is interesting because, you know what's funny? I was talking about this when we were in college. And so it's weird now to see the last two years, stuff I was talking about in college mm-hmm. come to fruition. And it's not like, I don't know how you all have had this shit, but it's like when you know something and you know it almost to the point where it doesn't even make sense to other people. You're the Oracle. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to say all that. But uh, I, I I know this because um, you guys, for those of you listening, um, I I went to school with these two these two wonderful men, and um, I was talking about gentrification back then. I was talking about Atlanta and housing, Thanks. and everyone's looking. I remember directly people not knowing what gentrification was to my face, mm-hmm. and I was remember talking about housing. I remember talking about the difference, what's going to happen in the suburbs and the cities, and I mean, this is like twenty year old, nineteen year old me. And so now, as somebody who's now twice that age, uh, well, I'm not twice that age, actually. Okay, let me get my, damn, oh, darn. I was, you know how you tell the truth and it actually sounds like a lie? Like, that's actually what happened. <laughs> um, it, it was like, wow, I'm not twice my age yet. Um, but I remember being young enough to be like, okay, this is what's happening. And I learned that from just observational things and then being taught mm-hmm. at our great university, Georgia State University, in the Urban Policies Department. But what's going on in the housing market in 30 seconds or less is we have two real things happening in real time. We have... One thing that's overrated and that's been overreported, which is this notion of people moving back to the suburbs from cities. Um, there is a historic parallel to that, and we can get into that if you want to. But that's not happening to the degree that people think it is, right? It is happening yeah. in bigger cities like your New Yorks and the Californias, but most of the time these are people who were either one of two categories, people who are already on the way out. So think about people who are either going to be priced out anyway or people who are getting older who wanted to maybe move to a place when they're going to start a family or move to a bigger space, Um or there's some people who are just downgrading in life. Like you see a lot of like places like that, New York and California. California has moved to like Utah and and Colorado. New York has moved to Georgia, Florida, and and North Carolina. Right. So that was already happening, and so people are kind of misattributing to that to the pandemic. But the most important thing why housing prices are going up is we have two real things happening. On that is the U.S. for the longest time, for the last seventy or so years, has over subsidized and overdeveloped on behalf of the suburbs, and the suburbs have two key problems. Uh, one of which is the suburbs require an obscene amount of land uh, to do so. And then also the problem with the suburbs, in order to keep the suburbs going, you have to oftentimes put in covenants that restrict the type of housing that you build. So what happens is when you have a restriction in land and a restriction in the laws that govern the land, you're going to have an increase in price. And so what's happened across the U.S. is as many people over the last two years, and this is even prior to the pandemic, have tried to get houses, we just don't have enough of them, right? Because we just didn't develop enough. When you see 100 acres and you have a suburb of 100 homes, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize if there is, and this is what I think people don't understand, Metro Atlanta, we've had a 1,000 new people moving in every single day for the last five years. Wow. It does not take a scientist to understand that eventually if you have 100 acres with 100 homes and 1,000 new people moving in, you're going to have a problem with housing. And this is not just Atlanta. Um, It's happening in what we call blue stars, or I I don't want to get into that because that's going to get into a red versus blue state, and that's not what people should know. But it's happening across these superstar cities and Mm -hmm. mega regions. And so what we've been seeing demographically is the last 10 years, the the back-to-the-city movement that happened when we were young, like we watched in the 90s and the the 2000s, was really – a precursor for what's going to happen next, which is mega regions. And this is not just the U.S., it's worldwide. So what that means is when 
jobs and economic activity and life, um, and we call these quality of life things like your parks, your clubs, your nightlife, your, your better churches and schools, they are happening in urbanized clusters. And these clusters are anchored by what's, what's known as the anchor city. So think about it. Atlanta is the anchor city to Sandy Springs, to Roswell, to Decatur. Mm -hmm. Right. The anchor city stays the city, right? New York City mm -hmm. ain't changing. New York City is New York City, but Jersey City, Long, you know, all these other places, they anchor off of it. And what's been happening is people for years have now been filling into those regions, and that's what we've been seeing with the pandemic as well, which is people who had the means or had to get out of the cities because they cost too much were trying to go into these anchor cities that were next door. But the anchor cities were already being filled by people who were having bigger homes, suburban-style homes, and they were developing less homes on these spaces. And we thought it was okay. We thought, you know, we would get through it. Then the pandemic shut everything down, and then there was a constriction of housing. And so what's happened is the cities, the edge cities is what we call those things, and then the suburbs and the exurbs, which are suburbs outside of exurbs, are now having to deal with an inventory problem, which is why everyone's homes in Atlanta, Dallas, D.C., New York, San Francisco, Chicago are all increasing. But if you look at some of the other places across the country, they're increasing by maybe 1% to 10%. But in places like the markets I mentioned, they may be up as like two and a half, three times as much because those are the markets that people are already moving to. And now if everyone's trying to move to those seven or eight places, there's just, and they have a problem with supply, that's how we got the housing prices. And that's the most academic I'm going to talk for the rest of this podcast, y'all. So I thank no, you guys on talk. No, that, that's perfect information, bro, because I, I'll tell you one thing that I noticed, right? Coming off of a, of a global pandemic and, and literally staying at home, you realize very quickly that the world didn't stop, right? Like we may have stopped, but we didn't go places. But as soon as I traveled out outside of my, my neighborhood and, and went back downtown and, you know, went, hit Boulevard and, you know, punts, and I started seeing like, Oh, y'all just threw this up. And, right. it, it is, and it's so like mind boggling to me, bro, because I'll use that same area that I just mentioned. Right. So for those that have visited Atlanta, there's an area of old fourth ward is the area that I'm, that I'm referring to, but you have punts and then you have the cross street, which is uh Boulevard and Boulevard turns into Monroe. Right. Mm -hmm. And so on that corner, there are, for years that we have known, it's like been what most people would call like the hood or the projects mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it. Immediately on the side of that, bro, they're building condos that say like starting in the 800,000s. And I'm like, how? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm saying like, I don't think y'all understand like, how is this happening? And you know, for you to break that down the way that you just did, man, it's, it's just amazing and, and, and frightening too at the same time, just to see the city almost changed overnight. You know what I mean? Even though it didn't change overnight, but you know what I'm saying? It's just like- Not to mention like the, the amount of corporations, you know, that are moving yeah. here rapidly. I mean, you know, we think about even in Grove Park, which is further west of that. I mean, you've got Microsoft. Um, I think they just, they got a large property that they're putting up. Um, it is just, oh, that, I mean, yeah. it's, it's mind blowing, you know? I, I agree that the Microsoft thing was interesting that you're saying, Mo, which is, Microsoft built their East Coast office here. And like you said about the corporations, I, I want to get into for a second, which is, I and I put this out on Twitter, and I think some people didn't like what I said, but... What's your Twitter, by the way? 
Uh, it's I am King Williams. I talk okay, a lot cool. about urbanism, politics, Atlanta sports, which is like basically an early sign of onset depression and <laughs> a lot of <laughs> I, look. I, listen, I, as you can see, bro, I'm I'm so injured. I had to. Hey like, man, Atlanta sports is the most toxic relationship that anybody can be it in. It really bro. is. Like it's a terrible <laughs> relationship. Do not get involved. Would not recommend. At all. <laughs> Zero stars. <laughs> like, At all, bro. It's not worth your headache. Right. I know. Oh, gosh. All right. So what I'll say on Twitter was real quick, and it's kind of to you, Mo, to back you up, like to alley you this one. Microsoft basically got a deal for pennies on the dollar. Microsoft is a trillion dollar company. It is one of the few companies that are a trillion dollars. That's not a financial institution on the planet. Right. Um, they bought a place called Quarry Yards, and they also have a place in Atlantic Station. Um, and those are both instructive of what's going on in Atlanta, to your point. So. One thing I said earlier, I want to correct. We don't have a thousand people coming in every day uh, to Metroland. We have over about a thousand people a week for the last decade. So it's actually been around 70, 70 to a hundred thousand a year every year in Metro Atlanta. So that wow. could explain. Yeah. So that's um, unreal. Yeah. So that's, I wanted to mess. I know some people are going to listen and be like, why'd you mess that up? I'm like, I'm sorry. All right. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Uh, so uh, Microsoft. All right. So Microsoft got that for pennies on a dollar. Mark Teixeira, who is a former Atlanta Brave, he led, he was one of the, main investors in that project known as Quarry Yards. It's located right behind the Bankhead Martyr Station. The Bankhead Martyr Station is, it was actually interesting because that's a Martyr Station that was actually supposed to be the anchoring line for Cobb going into, I mean, for Marty going into Cobb and never got built because of racism, yada, yada, yada. Uh, interesting. Yeah. It's, it's I want to talk there. about that too with the yeah. two. Uh, so microsoft has moved in um that was actually a good deal for microsoft right microsoft won the east coast office but if you look at where most of the east coast corporate relocations have been for the last 50 years they've been in the dmv up to boston right and those areas are insanely expensive now um and so for microsoft they got a ready-made project and in the case of atlantic station they already had a project that was already being developed by a houston-based developer who bought out atlantic station a few years ago from north american properties who owned who owned um, Atlantic Station also own Avalon. Um, so they bought that. They bought two ready-made projects for basically at cost, right? And so anyone who knows real estate knows that like, anything can go wrong with getting things going. Um, a lot of the staffing was done by uh, Cedric Matheny, what they've done at T. Dallas Smith over in Atlantic Station and over and find that space over in the west side. Um, Microsoft's moving in. There's a rumor that Disney may be coming to build their East Coast sound stages as well. Wow. Um, Google and Amazon. Wow. Yeah, that, that's brand new. You know, you hear it here first, y'all. Yeah. Uh, Google and Amazon yeah. have moved here. Um, back on my side of town, the east side of town, you had a, a, a LA-based private equity firm buy out. What was that place? Um, the studio that's involved with the Cop City fiasco. Um, they, I'm just drawing a blank right now. Black mm -hmm. Hall Studios. So all these like places out of New York and LA are coming in, right? And these are global markets. And I think that it's instructive what we're about to talk about now, which is. Um, the old way of doing things, which is like very much coded racism or suburban or small minded mentality is going out the window because when you have major players coming into the state of Georgia, you're going to see major things. And so we've kind of seen those schisms already with like the abortion bans that have been trying to right. pop off and some of the corporations like this year, Major League Baseball. I don't think people understand the significance of it. Major League Baseball pulled out of Atlanta. I mean, in like the last <laughs> six weeks. Last you never, yeah, yeah, like that that never happens, right, over yeah. some of the things that they were trying to do over voting bills. And I think that we've seen this in real time where Texas is a, a similar example, but there's some things that are very different from that compared to Atlanta. Um, but where, and it's not like, I don't want to be clear, these companies aren't blue state and red state kind of companies. What they are are companies that want to make sure that their workers are valued. And what you see in real time is, Democratic social issues are popular across the, 
the political spectrum, which is some people don't talk about, right? Um, culturally, though, a lot more people, culturally, religiously, more people are to the right than people would expect. So you have this idea of everything from like what you think you believe, the freedom of speech, the freedom to assembly, uh, like desegregation, the rights of women, things like that. Those are typically like, I don't know, in the modern era, Democrats, but like more liberalized policies, people like those across the board, freedom of religion. But even if people like those, they don't necessarily want to be in a state or business don't want to be in a state that's associated with like a bad brand move. So it's less about whether or not, you know, they believe in make America great again or Black Lives Matter. It's more like, hey, you know what? If our people and our workers and our and our customers feel a certain way about having this broad set of socialized values, we need to be in a place that reflects that. And I think that you're going to see, especially this upcoming year's election, you're going to see a real bump in those two ideologies. And because of this, with the money that's coming in, too, um, it's a reason why, like, the every, with the exception of, actually, no, the 10 biggest cities in the country, all of them have Democratic governors, I mean, Democratic mm -hmm. mayors. And there's, there's going to be a real schism now going forward where big industries in blue cities and red states are going to start clashing over business interests, and that's going to play out in housing and transportation and other things like that. So uh, right now, politically, it's going to be for the next couple of years, it's going to be out politics and these culture clashes and business, but the, the real tsunami is going to be about housing and transportation, and then the final blow that we're going to have to deal with is going to be climate change. So, Interesting. Uh, yeah, too much. The, you know, you, you talked about transportation, uh, which has often, you know, been brought up as Atlanta's biggest crutch, biggest broken system. You know, yes. where, where do you see it going? Um, is, are we taking any templates from anywhere else that have had this same issue where you got all these people moving in, but Atlanta has not yet committed to a major transportation growth, if you will? What's uh, that going to become? Before you get into that, King, I just mm. want to go on record and say I saw your conversation about this and <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly, bro. But I, I'm going to let you share it. But like, <laughs> I, I know exactly where this is about to go. That's why I'm glad that Mo brought Oh, gosh. I've said so many things about transit. And I'm sorry, y'all. Y'all read the Twitter thread. Sometimes they have cursing and misspellings. And then, so, yeah, my bad. We, it don't matter. Okay. <laughs> the information is there. Okay. <laughs> right. um, I will say this. All right. In the short version, because my last two questions answered really long. It kind of plays into what I said before um, about ideologies and realities. Georgia is going to have to get serious about transit. I don't think they're going to get serious about it until the GOP takes over transit, if they can at all. Um, that's my short answer. I will say that you have places like Cobb now. Just today I put out my newsletter. One of the lines is Cobb is trying to get into micro transit, which is based micro transit is think about like the old school, like the mini bus that you see pick up old people and take. Okay, gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, like nothing, like not like a MARTA bus, but just like for people gotcha. that really need like old, elderly, disabled. Um, I think what's going to happen in reality is every county is going to do something small like that, typically for either kids, like elementary school kids. The bus system, I think people don't think about enough. Public schools have their own built-in transportation system, which is the <laughs> school bus. We do not think about that as public transit, but that is actually public transit. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, so the biggest actually expansion of public transit is going to be school buses, period. Um, schools are getting built much further apart from each other, part of, like we said before, with suburbanization. So that's actually going to be our biggest expansion. But when we talk about the real nuts and bolts, it's MARTA. Um, and so we have two competing ideas, which is MARTA wants to grow. MARTA has been in DeKalb in the city of Atlanta, Fulton County, since it started in the 70s. You know, that ain't changing. Um, there is a growing group of people in DeKalb, especially Southwest and Southeast DeKalb, who said for, from the beginning, we've paid money, and they have, 
into Marta, Texas, and they want to get that line out to Stonecrest and further into parts of DeKalb and, like, past Indian Creek like they were promised, and it hasn't happened for 50 years. The chances of that actually happening are zero. Where Marta will like, and then we have this whole thing now with Clayton County, which is they were trying to build mass transit in Clayton County, but the Norfolk Southern had just basically told them, no, we're not going to sell you the rights to our track lines. We're going to keep using it now. And that almost may have killed heavy transit in Clayton County overnight. The problem is if Gwinnett doesn't get on, and Gwinnett got real close twice in two different elections, and I think a lot of people think the appetite is dead, if they can get it around a third time and really get that push, I think everything is going to unlock. The problem is mm-hmm. we need public transit from an economic growth issue. What that means is typically people who are low income or people elderly or disabled need public transit. What people don't realize is in places that have large swaths of public transit, their economies do better. Um, I think that it's, there's a couple of Republicans I've talked to on the state level who know this, and they've been trying to slowly push to get others around it, but you have a whole other issue of it's going to bring crime, and yada, 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 and that didn't really happen. Um, L.A., which was typically like the one holdout in like the 100 global cities that have really high economies, they're expanding their transit rapidly. Like They're about to have like $10 billion worth of transit put in between now and 2028 when the Olympics open. And that's mm-hmm. including all the buses and things like that. Even with Nipsey Hussle, the late Nipsey Hussle, when he got killed, one of the things he was pushing about that they they were building redoing the entire transit system out there in Crenshaw, and that Crenshaw the anchoring economic development that was going to be out there in Crenshaw is going to be worth probably like over a billion dollars related to that. Mm-hmm. And I think that some people don't understand going forward, which is our parents are boomers. Um, they're mm-hmm. not going to drive at a certain point in time, right? And so sure. we've seen this now. You mentioned the old fourth war, so I'm pulling this all together. Uh, the the number one group of high income people moving to the old fourth ward are boomer retirees who lived in the suburbs who've had uh, who now have disposable incomes because they've sold their homes and they still have pensions. And so when you ask who's buying these eight hundred thousand dollar homes, it also is why the demographic shift of the boomers has went older and more conservative over the last decade is because that's who actually is buying those. Gotcha. So yeah, so all this plays into that. So once people start realizing transit does bring dollars and our elderly people are going to need a system of transit around, you don't want 90-year-olds driving on 285. Yeah, like I was going to say. No. Yeah, how, no, bro. How, you know, the system has to think about, you know, how those elders get around, um, you know, or, or just even the shift of the reality of who your residents are in the city and how that shifts and, and changes everything. And that may shift with how they vote, too, you know, I, yeah, uh, that's gonna be interesting. Oh, sorry, what are you saying, JG? No, no. So my my thing is right, and, and this is kind of going back into to your conversation I saw on uh, I, I, it may have been Twitter or Facebook, but you were looking at how, particularly in Atlanta and Metro Atlanta, is there's always the expansion of highways, right? We're always adding a lane, or we are, you know, doing this, but no one considers you know, adding the rail, you know what I mean? And yeah. just, it's so weird. And, and I, I I might misquote you, but I believe you said like, That's look, fine. if you add another lane, you're only adding traffic. It's just going to, you're just opening up the door for more cars to get mm-hmm. on the interstate versus the reason why we have traffic is because of cars. So if you want to remove <laughs> traffic, you got to remove cars. <laughs> if you want to remove cars. You got to add more, you know, tr- other means of transportation. And so, it's always alarming to me like when I go and visit and travel these other places and they have it down, right? Like I, I went to, recently I went to Seattle, right? And Seattle where their, their transit system is not the best I've seen, but they made it so easy, right? Like there's literally a train 40 minutes out of the city 
to the airport. Their airport is super south of, of where everything like most places are, but they have means of transit all over the city, whether there's a streetcar that goes through the entire downtown area. There's their rail that goes into all the other neighborhoods. There's buses everywhere. And it just seems to me like Atlanta just, and like, I don't have the insight there. I don't know, but it just seems like we have like a, we just don't care attitude towards it. Know, even Atlanta if you look at the cares. map of the city, like, sorry, yeah. even if you look at the map of the city, like, cause I'm, cause when you start saying that, Jay, I started thinking about, I mean, even further, like you look at London, you look at Paris, look at Rome, you know, you, you look at their transit map and it's, there's not a place in the city that they don't go. And that's right. whether you're in the heart of the city or 20 to 40, 50 miles outside of the city, you know? Yeah. And it just blows my mind that, um, you know, at somewhere like Atlanta, the largest city in the South, would not have planned in that direction. Well, yeah, it's not even... Okay, so there's a couple ways to... T- t- it's not that they don't plan about it. Like, even today, so one of the guys, this guy I know, white libertarian dude, me and him are pretty cool. He was... <laughs> arguing in favor of transit today, talking to the Georgia Department of Trans uh, Department of Transit, who actually they go to the state, the state gets they it's pretty much like, hey state, we need money to build a new road. State goes, okay, we'll do that. So they had another meeting today. Um and he was arguing against GDOT is asking for another ten billion dollars to expand and build roads, not just across Metro Atlanta throughout the state. And there's uh, three problems. So I'm gonna go like bullet point. The sure. problems with building more roads is I think J- uh, Justin, you already said it, which was um you, it's this the law is called induced demand so what happened you have kids so you know this and so it's like the field of dreams rule so what it is if you build it they will come think about that that's what induced yeah. demand is for sure yeah. if you guys build a way for your kids to eat chewing gum every night they're going to do that every single night now and like yeah. the problem is once you induce demand that what people don't understand is when induced demand happens the behavior doesn't change right mm. and so it's when people are now used to driving what happens is they want to do more driving. And so what happens is you as an individual now take more trips as an individual and also the people now who realize, oh, there's a new lane on on Georgia 400, which has just got a billion-dollar upgrade for transit. We couldn't – a billion dollars on the belt line would probably would have finished that whole thing off. <laughs> um, right? And it was just like – so now all three of us are riding Georgia 400, but now – all of y'all wives are now also driving Georgia 400 and their friends are now driving Georgia 400. Mm-hmm. They see it's a lane. So that's what actually happens in real time, in real life. And that's the first thing, induced demand. Number two is uh, people don't understand this. When you build more highways, that also means that you are committed to a permanent system of maintenance. So you mentioned Seattle mm-hmm. before, Justin. And they actually have done a thing where they've actually removed their highway now. And people don't understand this. Highways wow. are super expensive. Whatever you think about your local city or county budget, you look at how much it costs to have road maintenance. I don't mean highway maintenance. I said just straight up road maintenance. Road maintenance. And then add high maintenance on it. It's like you would want to like throw somebody out of the city hall at this point, right? It <laughs> wow. is just because it's like a relationship you're permanently built into. Right. But it's one thing to be like, all right, cool. You know, you guys, I don't know where you go. Let's just say for the sake of argument, you're in Decatur, right? Decatur is going to need city streets to be paved. Okay, we get that, right? That may be expensive. That might cost Decatur six hundred thousand dollars a year to just to repay those roads every year. Mm-hmm. Um, Decatur is like eight square blocks. And you think well, that's a lot of money for like eight square blocks. So imagine what that is for a highway. Um, wow. And so then, so that's a part of it. You're permanently locked into a maintenance situation. And because of the state of Georgia, the way we have it is GDOT gets a lot of money and GDOT rarely does their own work on things. What they do is they contract out to people. And this is the real mm-hmm. hustle. So if I'm the governor, Mo, you donate to my campaign but just you didn't when Mo's contracting company comes. Okay. He donated <laughs> to my company. Okay, cool. Now Mo's, of the one course. Who, 
And that's yeah. kind of like the hustle. So a lot of black people in particular have been starting to make this claim of this is true. Like GDOT puts out the numbers every year. The best year they've had for minority contracts across the board, this is men, Latinos, mm-hmm. Asians. Uh, I'm sorry, women, Latinos, Asians, African-Americans, all of these firms, around 3%, I think back in 2017, was the highest they had given out contracts with GDOT. Mm-hmm. GDOT has a budget in around 3 to $4 billion per year. And we and have 3%. So, and no, but it's three percent divided amongst everyone. Those typically, and those people who wow. typically get those contracts are typically like, typically Republican or conservative leaning women, Man. Latinos or Asians who donated to the the state GOP. And so that becomes a whole another issue. Is like if we're going to have this, like when we talk about economic growth and development, we don't get none of those contracts, right? Like a six hundred thousand dollar contract for your service is probably the most you've done in ten years as a contractor. Like most black contractors don't do that kind of work, um, don't not that level. And so. We talk about economic development and highways and transit. That's the other part. So that's part three. So, And then the fourth part, I'm going to add this in there. Um, we do have a real question about the environment and the questions of the environment when it comes to highways and our and our dependency upon cars is something we have to be very, very important about. There's a reason why Microsoft built their – they picked their office. They didn't pick New York. One, because it's expensive, and then they didn't pick Miami. But both of those cities have a real threat of looming climate change. There could be a scenario within – 50 to 100 years of those places are underwater. They're both technically under wow. sea level. Yeah, and it's, mm. New York is big as wow. people forget about that. That entire city of 10 million people could be underwater. And that is, and places like That's Atlanta, insane. you think Atlanta was full now? Oh, my God. Imagine if 10 million New Yorkers have to figure out a way another 5 million people in Boston to figure out. Like, That's New York City. The New York metropolitan area is around 20, 25 million people. So like, imagine if all those people have to move somewhere because they're underwater. Um, and the reason why that reflects the climate change is that asphalt, concrete, and all these, they produce this thing called the heat island effect. And I'm sorry, you all, for talking too much about nerdy stuff. No, bro. Uh, this, is the, this is great. The heat island great. effect is one thing. It's it's real short. You guys know this. It's the reason why you can be at the same degree, 80 degree in Denver, 80 degrees in Atlanta, 80 degrees in Miami, and the weather feels different even at the same elevation. And sure. what that is, that's a result of the number of things, concrete, steel, and buildings and where those buildings are facing and in relationship to where it is in the environment. And so some places that are more urbanized, like New York City, do have this thing where the heat itself is trapped inside. When you have more carbon coming out, especially from cars and things like that, cars, delivery trucks, um, tractor trailers, all those things, that carbon doesn't necessarily leave like it normally would if it was like riding on the open road or if there's a place, the open road, particularly if it has a lot of trees on it. So what happens is that carbon now, because of the roads and everything is flat, um, concrete in general like sucks up things and it retains heat really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why it's always cracking. And so, well, not cracking, I'm sorry, asphalt. And so when you, and George is a good example. This is a guy I interviewed for my podcast last year, Marshall Stevenson. He's like one of the few black men to work with NASA and the, um, the space um, and uh, the National Weather Service about climate. And he talks about where rain falls in relationship to the heat island effect. So the places that have more concrete, steel, and asphalt like, that northeast part of Atlanta, which is like north, like Buckhead all the way through mm. like Beaufort Highway, that place actually on the map gets more rain than any place per year because of the heat island. In fact, the problem is that rain is more often not toxic because of all the carbon from all the highways that goes up. And because of all the heat and the concrete and there's no trees to absorb it, it comes back down as like pretty uh, nasty rain. It, it's not quite like what we think oh. of toxic rain um, mm-hmm. but gotcha. or acid rain, but that is what's happening in real time. And now as we keep pushing out suburban canopy, uh, now Georgia's smog, as you can kind of see when you guys take your kids out of some, you can see the smog layers each right. and every morning and night. And that's something we are concerned about because 
as more and more highways are developed, they're going to produce more and more carbon, and there's nothing to catch that carbon. And as a result, now we're going to have way more intense climate change, more flooding, and also just more people with asthma and health-related issues, especially COVID. So if you actually look at the number of people who had COVID-related issues, a lot of it just has to do with just the the, the amount of people who can't breathe in the first place. Yeah. Okay, I'm done. No more. I'm sorry, y'all. That was way <laughs> no, too much. Thank listen. you. I'm, I'm going to get pizza now. Listen, man, and, and, and what, I, what I will say is there are a lot of minds blown right now because yeah, the parallels so are being made, included. you know, as, as people are hearing what you're saying just about Atlanta alone, but I'm sure they see it in their cities. I'm sure there's, you know, some, some, some things that are very, you know, much right in their faces. Um, so, man, thank you just for even taking us that deep because I didn't oh, even gosh. realize it went that deep in so many ways, but you know, you just at blew all, my mind. Like at all, bro. I, oh, I had man. no I, clue. I, I feel like I didn't hit the mark on anything or I answered any of y'all questions. I'm sorry about no, that. No, you perfect, bro. You perfect. <laughs> um, I do want to ask you about you specifically, right? So you mentioned earlier that you just put out your newsletter. I just got it. I opened up. I haven't got a chance to read. All oh, it's quick. It's I'm fine. It's like one minute. Um, for this, this interview here, but kind of tell us about what, what you have going on personally and, and the things that you're working on, um, you know, in as much detail as you want to, honestly, bro, we want to know. Okay. Well, I'm a Gemini. I think, I don't know. I know how that's <laughs> <She's> stupid. <laughs> you know, I like long walks in the, in the woods and all of that, but um, there you go. no. So I have a newsletter. It's called I am King Williams. Um, it's through Substack, which is where all the journalists who are trying to figure out what to do next with their life are all on Substack. Um, so what it is, is it is a, a look at my, my vantage point of Atlanta to the world. It, it consists of really three parts. Um, histories, analysis, and just general news. I call it the update. So whenever I just have basic news I want people to get out, I call it the update, like which is what came out tonight. Um, I did that because I am a journalist by trade. I've only been a journalist for three years. And so one of the things I noticed was there is a lag in what people, I think, get that's quality information. Um, and as a journalist who critiques other journalists and other journalists institutions often, I think you got to put your money where your mouth is. How do you make people more educated? And that's one of the reasons why I'm doing the newsletter. Uh, I'm going to, I have a podcast called The Neighborhood Watch, and that's going to be switching over in January called Into the King Williams Show. The Neighborhood Watch is still going to exist, it. but it, but it's going to be about stuff like we just talked about, about how neighbors, how neighborhoods affect your, your world. So this is going to be two very different things. Um, and I have a show coming out on this local streaming service called Local Plus called The King Williams Show, which is basically like explainer videos, but just about Georgia nothing else so like we were talking about before um just in a video form like quick bites that you can kind of watch while you're like cooking dinner or something like that so um that'll be out later this month i think that people will hopefully will enjoy that one um who i am as a person um i am a filmmaker first and foremost i haven't done movies in a long time i'm really getting excited to get back to that again um i yep. had a documentary that people knew me for for a long time yep. called the atlanta wait about gentrification which is why we talk all the time about gentrification <laughs> um and I'm getting back to that, too. And that's really exciting because it's Great. a much different world than it was when it came out 10 years ago. And then even the three years leading up to it from 2008 to 2011, when I was just hustling around, just playing it at different bars and clubs and student centers and wherever. So we see in Atlanta way part two. Yeah. So I'm thinking about this. So this is what it's really come down to. It won't be a part two, but it's going to be one of two things. And I'll let you guys decide. And maybe you can help me. Um, I'm thinking about either making this like a mini series, like a short mini series, because the cut that mm -hmm. I have is like three hours. And like people don't sit for three hours and do anything. Mm -hmm. So part of it's like making it a short mini series, like just like six or eight parts of like shorter episodes. Because I think that gotcha. might just be more digestible. Um, and that would be on the Local Plus platform too. And then the other part of it is just releasing it as is or like 
it's just like one consolidated piece so people can look <laughs> at it but in the social media and YouTube and Netflix era man people just do not watch for long periods of time anymore online so right. I'm kind of thinking about what to do with that. So it's the format. But it, it won't be part two. It'll be called The Atlanta Way. And it won't be called A Document of Gentrification. It's going to be called The Atlanta Way, um, A Story on Gentrification in Atlanta. And it's going to be the entire history of how we got here from the Booker T. Washington 18, 1895 Atlanta Compromise to the burning of CNN Center in 2020 and how this mm. all relates to gentrification. I know that seems like a big swing, but that's huge. that is what it's about. That's dope. That's dope. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, no question. And um, super excited for all the things that you have coming up in the future, man. Just super proud of you. Uh, number I'm one, being an alum from the Georgia State University. <laughs> Georgia State, the GSU. <laughs> yeah, the correct one. It's okay for that other school, though. Yeah, yeah, know. yeah. We don't we don't talk about that other school. You know, right. we, those that know know, right? Like, yeah, that's right. Um, so we have we have this thing that we we kind of like to end our um, episodes taking questions from. Um, we, we're still trying to figure out what we're going to call our family, right? We, we have some some options. We, we don't right now we're leaning toward thinkers and there's also partners, but we don't know yet. We're, you know, partners. we're waiting to see. Yeah. What? So them, <laughs> they send right. us questions to ask um, either us. But today, since we have a guest, we're going to ask you this question. Right. And so the question is. What resources are available for more information on gentrification for someone that has absolutely no idea what gentrification is? Hmm. You know what? Where do they start? This is what I'm really going to spend my time on next year. Gosh, you guys are getting all the good information out. Um, There isn't one. And I think that this is super Mm. important. There's a lot. I've seen a lot of YouTube videos and a lot of mini documentaries on just what gentrification is, but there is no repository of gentrification. That's something I want to spend more time doing. Interesting. Uh, Because it's important. Um, Right. Sure. And so that's the answer. So there is no direct answer. I say you always follow me or I would say, honestly, the best way to learn about gentrification and like not just an anecdotal way is to follow a couple of people on Twitter. You can start with myself, another woman named uh, Akira Drake Rodriguez. I don't know what her actual twitter name is she's a good place to start and also this place um called atlanta studies from emory university they're like a website that does a lot of history and map making so start from there right dope well um hmm i kind of want to go into another conversation okay but um that means he got to come back that means i would love to come back like yeah (laughs) you want to stick around you you know i'll put you know what patreon Patreon I think episode. we should. We got to do a Patreon real quick. So yeah, yeah. Old Atlanta versus New Atlanta, bro. Like, I oh, wanna, there you go. Gosh, I, there you go. I have thoughts. Let's, Let's go. bring this on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so for y'all that are right now, if you haven't subscribed to our Patreon, that's cool. Um, but you probably should because this conversation that we're about to have is going to be super dope. And the only way you'll be able to get it if you subscribe to our Patreon. So, um, outside of that, bro, like, thank y'all for tuning in. We really do appreciate y'all. Um, remember to tell a friend to tell a friend because we only grow with y'all and without y'all, we can't grow at all. So, um, outside of that, we'll see y'all on the Patreon. King. Thank you, man. Thanks for being here. Yeah. yeah for sure. for oh, one more time. Give the people your social media, man, how they can connect with you. Uh, I am King Williams on Instagram and Twitter official. I am King Williams on TikTok. I have four videos. They all suck, but I'm on those. So I am King Williams <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter and official. I am King Williams on TikTok. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, but we'll see y'all next week.
the Black, Black Men, Men Think, Think Podcast. Podcast.